0: It's good to be here. Uh, yeah, Eddie, when, when Eddie first asked me to come that he was going to be gone, um, none of us thought about the time change. Uh, uh, so uh, I made it through just fine, the first service. I'm uh, believing that um, we're going to make it through the second. If I fall asleep, just, you know, say something uh, or just slip out and let me wake up and find everybody gone. That'll be, that'll be okay, too. Um, yeah, I just, uh, hey, I just want to say, you know, if you're visiting this morning, you know, uh, don't feel out of place because I'm visiting too, so, you know, it's, uh, it's all good and we'll figure this out together. Um, but a um, couple of things that you need to know about me as we uh, begin our time together. Um, my wife makes me say a couple of things. She doesn't really, but she's going to get credit for it. Um, uh, and the first is this, um, uh, go Cubs. Go Cubs. So, uh, yeah, there we go. That's right. Um, I, I believe in Eddie's going to make it okay because, um, you know, us Cubs fans were people of prayer. We've been praying, you know, we had to pray for 108 years. Um, so I'm sure he'll make it through the Holy Land just fine. He's made it through a marriage, you know, with Cubs Cardinal rivalry this long. I'm sure he's going to survive this trip. So just be praying for him this week. Um, he's a, a friend of mine. I appreciate him. and uh appreciate your church. It's good to be here. Um, this building, this facility, it's just a special place. Your worship, just um, definitely feel the Spirit's uh, movement there. Uh, the second is this. Um, I'm pretty, uh, a pretty passionate person. I often have to tell everybody, uh, I'm not angry. Um, this uh, My wife says, God, why are you so angry today? And it's, I'm not angry, I'm just passionate. So if you can't tell right now, I'm smiling. Um, <laughs> just kidding. Um, uh, uh, but the third thing that you need to know about me this morning is that I love Jesus, um, and so it's good to be able to get in to be in His house, uh, even with a two-hour time change. Um, you know, to uh, to worship Him this morning, worship with you, um, and to bring a word uh, from the Lord to you this morning. Because I was here a couple months ago, um, and uh, did not know that Pastor Eddie was going to be asking me to speak. Um, but just as uh, we're wrapping up our time together that time, and I just in pr- praying and just uh, the Lord laid this on my heart um, uh, again, not knowing that I was going to be coming sharing it with you. So um, I, I'm here believing, right? As as Pastor Steve talked about, like the enemy doesn't want you to be here this morning, uh, but you're here anyway. That maybe maybe he has something to say to you this morning. Uh, so I believe he has a word for somebody today. So with that, lay, kind of laying that out there before you, if you have your Bibles with you, and I hope and pray that you do, go ahead and open them to Romans 8, Romans 8, um, and that's where we're going to spend uh, all of our time together, um, but I, what I want you to do, if it's a phone, that's fine, um, go ahead, and if it's a paper Bible, go ahead and open that out, and you can set it on your lap, set it on the table in front of you, because we're, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna come back to that in a few minutes, but... Um, uh, for those of you who may be my age, maybe a little older or maybe a little younger, um, I realize that anytime we open up our phone, there's a tendency to do things other than look at the Bible, even in church, and I'm not, uh, not going to call you out if I see you know, Facebook or anything, but, but if you're going to be on social media during here, I- I'm going to give you permission to do that this morning. Uh, if you're gonna, if you're on Twitter, or you're on Facebook or something, or or Instagram or, or something like that. Uh, what I want you to do is, if you're gonna do it anyway, what I want you to do is just connect. You know, on Facebook, put out. If God says something to you this morning, I'm gonna give you permission to go ahead and put it out there. You go ahead and put it on Facebook, put it on Twitter. But what I want you to do is use hashtag Crossroads ninety eight hashtag Crossroads ninety eight. This way, I can find it. Uh, each other, we can find that, and just kind of engage in this conversation together. So. Um, if your parents says no, your wife says get off Twitter, I can't do anything about that. But for me to you, you have my permission to do that. So um, uh, uh, so while we're on the topic of getting online, um, I, when Pastor Eddie asked me to come and share, I, I just want to confess to you this morning that I began stalking you. Um, yeah, yeah, it's creepy, isn't it? Um, I began... Beca- <laughs> you have no idea. Uh, I began. I began stalking you, and, and but what I mean by that is, I, you know, uh, one of the main ways that we can learn about something is get on Google, right? Who doesn't get on Google? Who doesn't search stuff out? Got on your web page. And every webpage has this little section, uh, for, at least for churches, we tend to have this section that talks about about us or who we are or something like that. And it's kind of a, if you're visiting or you're thinking about visiting a church, it kind of tells you what you need to know. Like, like Crossroads, you guys are like a super casual church, right? Uh, you just, I mean, come as you are, we get to drink coffee and eat donuts and we get to do all this stuff. You don't have to get dressed up. Like it tells you all that stuff. But usually there's some stuff on there called mission, vision, and purposes and all that stuff. And that's preacher talk for this is where we're going. This is why we exist as a church. Like this is who we are. This is who we are. Um, and, and I'm not going to ask you if you know this because Pastor Eddie would probably be a little nervous right about now because we want this to be something that guides our time together. And we want our, 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 our focus as a church and not knowing that is probably would cause him a little bit of angst. Uh, and so I'm not going to ask you that. I'm going to tell you, what it is. Um, The mission and, and why you exist as a church is this, to help people seeking spiritual truth become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ, discipleship. Matthew 28, 16 through 20, the Great Commission. You exist to make disciples, which is fantastic. It's true. It's good and it's right because that is the only mission the church has, any church. doesn't matter whether you're worshiping somewhere else or an assumption. Like our mission as a church at my church is is to make disciples. That's it. Disciples, 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 fully committed followers of Jesus. Your purposes and some of the things that you do is worship. Fantastic evangelism, sharing the good news, bless you, ministry, doing the work of ministry, fellowship, doing community and life together, discipleship, again, make disciples. But that wasn't, none of that kind of caught my attention until I got to the vision. The vision is, is painting a picture, like if you could, like, you know, uh, what is the guy's name? Who You know, a little bit of clouds over here. You know who I'm talking about? I forget. Bob Ross. There we go. It's painting a picture of the future right? A little bit of tree over here, happy tree, right? And painting a picture of what the future could look like because we exist, how we're going to make the world, what is it going to look like? And your vision, it just floored me. It floored me. Here it is. If you don't know it, hopefully you do, is this, to impact our community, to impact our culture, to reproduce churches, and to build nations. Let me say it again, to impact our community, to impact our culture, to reproduce churches and to build nations. And here, this is why this caught my attention, because that's a big job. That is a tall order. That's a a lofty goal, right? I mean, it's way up here. Like, this isn't setting the bar low. It's setting the bar way up here, specifically, like, to to impact your community, Sullivan and surrounding towns. To impact our culture, the world around us, the United States of America. Because here's the deal. Here's the deal. Our, our culture and our, our communities right now, like, they're confused. There's all kinds of confusion in the world around us, right? What is right and what is wrong? Whether there is such a thing as right or wrong, right? What is good? What is bad, right? And it, it's almost, it, the way I describe it is it's, our, our culture right now is gritty, right? You ever go to the dentist and they use that, uh, um, that paste on your teeth, right? No matter how many times they wash it out, like you just can't get it out. You can still feel it. Like there's just that, that grittiness in there. That's, that's how I feel and how I would describe our culture right now. It's gritty. It's rough. Uh, but specifically, like our culture right now, our communities right now, the world around us right now, it's hurting. Beyond just being confused, it's hurting Right? Would you agree with that? It's almost palpable. Would you agree that our community and the world around us right now is hurting? And it's okay. You you can say yes. You can engage here. Right? This is a conversation. Uh, you actually encourage me, or maybe make me go faster, so I'll get off the stage. Whatever. Um, but it's hurting. It's palpable. Like you can feel it. Like you can walk out of the door here when you leave, and you can feel it. Like you can taste it. You can understand that people are hurting. Like maybe many of you in this room are probably hurting, like you've got stuff going on in your life, and it's real, and it affects you in deep ways, right? Just hurting in here, out here, everywhere. I mean, think about it, like things like divorce, right? How many, I don't know anybody that that got married to say like, hey, I just can't wait to get divorced, right? Nobody planned that. But here we've got families, and we've got people and things coming to a close, and it's painful, and and it hurts, being ripped apart. I mean, we're watching the civil rights movement still being played out in the world around us. I mean, with things like racism and, all, and, and hate and all of these things going on around us, people are hurting. I mean, bullying, bullying in our schools, hurting, suicide, people killing themselves because they have no hope. People are hurting. Like, just this last week, I read about two stories of kids who walked into their school They didn't do this at home. They walked into their school and committed suicide at school, hurting, painful, school shootings like Parkland, I mean, kids killing their parents, things like addiction to drugs and alcohol, addiction to sex and pornography and and stuff and material possessions and maybe my, uh, my, uh, my addiction of choice, food, right? Addicted to food. Relationships, people addicted to relationships can't be alone, constantly pursuing somebody else and the next somebody and the next somebody, looking for them to fill a void in their life. It's hurting. People are hurting. Poverty, poverty, gender inequality, hurting. I don't know about you, but this makes me feel gross. Makes me feel like, oh, oh, just hurt four people that are hurting, and even my own stuff, we left, we're left hurting, and it just doesn't feel good, right? Right? It's okay. Again, participate. You can participate. It doesn't feel good. People are hurting all around us, and they feel like everything less than made in the image of God. And every one of if you don't know that, if, you are made in God's image. You are His image bearer. And all of this stuff affects that image. And and people feel like everything less than the image of God. They're hurting. And they need you. They need me. They need us. They need us to impact our communities. They need us to impact our culture. So that's a lofty goal. That's a lofty goal. So I want to tell you a story this morning about what that looks like practically, right? That's all good. Well, yeah, divorce, and I get all that stuff, but I want to, I want to tell you about a story of a boy and what this looks like, this hurting. You with me? Can I tell you a story? And when I, while I do that, I, I, want you to hold this, I want you to hold on to a question. I want you to think about this question that's about to come up on the screen, and that is this. What does God have to say to our hurting hearts? What does He have to say to our families? What does He have to say to our neighbors around us? What does He have to say to our communities? And what does He have to say to our culture? Because He has something to say. What, what, do, what do you think that God has to say? I want you to think about that. I want you to think about that while I tell you this story. The story of this young boy. grew up and uh, his mom was 21 and uh, was unmarried and, and, you know, uh did what some young twenty-one-year-old unmarried people do, and uh, met a boy and um, proceeded to get pregnant, unmarried. And uh, as soon as this, as soon as his father found out that uh, this woman was pregnant, he did uh, the unthinkable and he ran away. He left this woman to to be pregnant by herself, and uh, and this eventually left this boy to grow up without a father. He was abandoned. The woman eventually met another guy who. Uh, ultimately became this boy's stepfather, Uh, and this guy was not a good guy. He abused, he abused the boy, he abused the mother, beat them physically, emotionally, spiritually, beat them, abused. And he had lots of, you know, ever, ever familiar with the book, Five Love Languages, if you are. If you're not, you should read it. It's good. But his love language for this family was this father's love language was in telling this boy that you are worthless. You are worthless. You have no value. And more than just being worthless, you are unlovable. No one will ever love you. There is nothing in you that someone could find redeemable and lovable. You will be alone for the rest of your life. Who could love someone like you? But more than that, I told this young boy that you are never going to amount to anything. You will never have a purpose. You will never have value. You will never, you'll just kind of exist. I know you guys go to Haiti, and uh, um, uh, the, one of the things uh, Haitians say is, uh, Mla. if you ask them how they're doing, they say, Mla. it just kind of means I'm here. Like, I'm not good, I'm not bad, I'm just existing. Right? And that's the kind of how this boy felt. Like, I'm not good, I'm not bad, I just exist. I'm unlovable, I'm unworthy, uh, and I'm never going to amount to anything. So this boy, what he ended up doing is he ended up running around with the wrong crowds, the wrong people. Doing drugs, things like that, dropping out of high school, hanging out with people who do bad things. And he ended up, this boy ended up doing everything that he said he would never do. You know, wouldn't drop out of high school, wouldn't smoke, wouldn't drink, wouldn't do all of that stuff. And he ended up growing up to be a teenager who was hurting, mad, angry, and far from God. He's kind of like a, a boat. If you, uh, I know you got Lake Sullivan out here, right? And there's a boat without a rudder, a boat without a sail, a boat without purpose, a boat without an anchor. Just kind of lost. Just kind of lost. And he was mad at Jesus. He was mad at God. And he was angry with the church for never helping, never stepping in. He was hurting. He was hurting. Can you say, I mean, would you agree he was hurting? Say amen. Amen. So the question, I want to come back to that question is this, what what does God, what does through His Word have to, do you think He has something to say to that boy? Yeah? Does He have something to say to your hurting heart, do you think? Does He have something to say to our, our hurting families? Does He have something to say to our hurting communities? Does He have something to say to our hurting culture? I think He does. I think He does. He does have something to say to that. And He has something to say in it. What He has to say this morning, what He has to say to us, and what He has to say to you is, I promise. He has made us a promise. I promise you I can't look all of you in the eyes at one time, but look me in the eyes. I'm going to try. I'm going to go cross-eyed. Uh, I promise you it's, it's not all for nothing. He says, I promise you it's not all for nothing. I promise you that it has a purpose. I promise you that I will make something good from it. And that's good news, right? Amen? All right, good news. That's good news. So hopefully you found your way to Romans 8. That's where we're going to look at this morning. And I want you to hear this promise to you. I want you to hear this promise that to our communities. I want you to hear this promise. It's Romans 8. We're going to look at verses 28 through 29. I'm going to give you a little background if you're not familiar with this. It's written by, the, by a man by the name of Paul. Paul uh, grew up uh, persecuting the church, hated, hated the church, killed people. He was a murderer. Eventually has an interaction with Jesus. Jesus changes his life, gives him a new name. And eventually he becomes one of the, he writes two thirds of this New Testament. And he goes out and he preaches. And he goes out and he teaches. But he goes out and he's planting churches. And all these little communities and all these big communities all around the, the countryside. And then he goes back around and he encourages them. And this is one of those letters that he's writing while he's in one place. He's in Corinth and he's writing to the church in Rome. And, he, and he's writing to, to just give them some good news, to give them some stuff to encourage them based on the stuff that they are facing. And Romans 8 in particular uh, is, is probably, it's called the greatest chapter in, in the Bible, That's called the greatest chapter, even in the New Testament, it's called the greatest chapter, and here's why. It is the most powerful, I think, I think the most powerful chapter in all of Scripture. I don't think Paul intended to, but he really lays out his whole theology about God and about who we are in light of who God is, and he lays that out, and he lays it out based on the idea of who we are, identity who we are, who God is, who Jesus is, who we are in light of who God is and what that relationship looks like. And I think generally we have an, uh, an identity crisis. Um, so it's good. this chapter is just powerful to know who we are. And, and I walk, I, I disciple a group in my home every week. Um, and, and this is a verse that for a season I make everybody read for a period of time. Like we'll read this for months, every day. Because if we can get it, it changes our lives. So if you're wrestling with identity, who you are in Christ, I want to encourage you to read that. It's powerful. Uh, you don't have to. There's no quiz. I'm not going to follow up on you. But it's it just powerful. And, and we're going to look at verses 28 through 29. And, and many of you in this room are probably familiar with it. You've probably had somebody say it to you, or uh, you've heard it, read it on Facebook, read it online, or something like that, and it's often said to us in the context of a cliché, like, right, like you just lost a, a loved one, someone that you care about, and, you know, it's going to be all good. It's going to be all right. Like, no worries. God. It's, yeah, it's, it's good. You know, and we often get, we hear it in the, in the context that everything you're going to go through is going to be good. If you're, just, if you're with Jesus, everything is going to be good, and it's not true. I want you to listen to what He has to say this morning. I want you to really listen. Romans eight twenty eight 28 through 29, this is NIV version, says this, and we know, right, so this is something that we can know, we can be assured of, we can know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose, for those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. probably heard that before. This is a promise, a promise that God has made to you. It's a promise that God has made to me. This is a promise that God has made to our culture, and a promise that He has made to our communities. And there's three things this morning I want you to notice about this as we jump in. There's three things that I want you to notice about this promise, and the first is this. The promise is complete. It says that, and we know that God causes all things to work for good. Do you know what the word here, or these words here, all things mean? Do you know what that word means? It means everything, literally all things. The good in our lives, the bad in our lives, the the painful things in our lives, the pleasurable things in our lives, uh, the blessings that we receive, and sometimes when we feel like we've been cursed or there's a curse upon us that nothing can go our way, all things, all things painful, pleasurable, the things that we've done to other people. We've all done something to somebody, right? Not good, right? Am I the only one? Just me? Okay, all right, there we go. Like we've The things that we've done to other people, the things that we regret, the things that we wish we wouldn't have done, but also the things that we have done to others, just the same way the things have been done to us, we have done things to other people. Again, I'm willing to admit that it was me. Like, I've done things to people I regret, I wish I wouldn't have done. I've caused lots of people a lot of pain over my life, but He says, but He says, I will cause I will make, I will work all things, not for bad, but for good. I will cause all things to work for good. See, not everything that we're going to go through in this life is good, right? Everybody's experienced that. Not everything are we going to go through in this life is good. A lot of it is bad. Not everything is bad. We go through a lot of good, right? Like, uh, the scripture says that the, the rain pours on the just and the unjust alike, right? Like, we all get a little bit of something. It's good and it's bad. Bad people, uh, good things happen to them. Good things hap- or bad things happen to good people, right? It's for all of us. But it says that God will cause it all for good. Even though not everything is going to be good, He will cause it to be good. And we know that not everything is going to be good because evil still exists. There's still an enemy roaring around like a lion just waiting but He says there's a, it's complete. The promise is complete. I will cause it all to work for good. The second thing He says, the promise is conditional because He says it's for those that love Him and for those that are called according to His purpose. See, not everyone, when you, we say these things to people, are going to see it the way that we see it, right? If, if you have no hope in Jesus, you know, talking about the resurrection is, and, and eternal life, you know, if you have no hope in Jesus, that's not good news, all right, right? I mean, we believe that we're just going to pass off into some ethereal place, like just disappear, go off into nothing. So this promise of, of that He's going to work it all for good, including our eternal life, is not really a, a promise for them. It's only for those, it says, that, that, for, that are love Him and for those that are called according to His purpose. It's for those who have submitted and surrendered to Jesus. And that's a piece that we, we don't like in our culture, right? We don't want to hear that. I don't know about you, but I, some days I'm a man's man. Some days I don't, I don't know what I am. But, uh, you know, I, I, I don't want to submit and I don't want to surrender to anything. And we've got this lie going around in our culture that we don't even have to submit and surrender to Jesus. Jesus just wants us to believe in Him and accept Him. And, you know, we just got to be on Jesus' you know, bandwagon, right? Got to be a Cubs fan, right? Kind of like We got to be a Christ fan, um, but Jesus calls us to something deeper than that to submit to him to submit our plans our wills and our ways and our, our histories and our future to surrender all of that to him and this it's only conditional it only works out for good all things only work out for good if we've done that with Jesus we have to submit and surrender to him and it's it's both something that we do on our own part because we have to love God we have to make that choice we have to make that choice to follow Him when He says to love God, but it's also a gift that we receive for this to be conditional. Because it says, for those that have been called according to His purpose, right? We don't call ourselves. God calls us. Jesus calls us. And so when it's called according to His purpose, as He's called us and as we respond, He will work it all for good, is what Paul is saying. He will cause it to work. It's a combined effort between us and God, but it's conditional. It's conditional. The third thing I want you to understand and catch about this is that it has a purpose. Our pain, our suffering, the good, the bad, it all has a purpose, and it says so that we might be formed into the image of Christ, so that we can look like Jesus. Now, I don't know about you. I confessed to you this morning, first thing, that I really love Jesus Right? Not always perfectly. Right, I make mistakes every day. I've probably made one today. we will probably make one as soon as I leave. Right? I mean, I'm just human. You're human. We're all human. Right? But I really love Jesus. And the thing that I want to and the thing that we need to all want is to really be like Jesus. That's what it means to be a Christian, right? Christ-like, little Jesus has been what Christian has been defined as, like mini-Jesus, like have you ever seen uh, oh, uh, Austin Powers, like mini-me, right, you know, little Vern, you know, I mean, we're supposed to be little Jesuses, right? Whew. Some of you have got that picture in your head. Some of you are going to be Googling that, screenshotting it, and yeah, putting a meme up there or something. To look like Jesus, and uh, hear me this morning, that's good news. Don't you want to be like Jesus. Don't you want to be like Jesus? Don't you want to look like Jesus? And he says all of this junk, the good, the bad, the positive, the negative, the painful, the pleasurable, all of this stuff works for good for those that love him, for those who have been called according to his purposes so that we might look like Jesus, so that the world might look like Jesus. See, here's the thing. Jesus knew about suffering. So we get ready to celebrate Easter right? Like the crucifixion, that was not like a play date, right? I mean, if you, did, if you want a good illustration of what the crucifixion and, and the passion events look like, watch The Passion of the Christ by Mel Gibson. And if you can get through that without crying, like I, I've been accused of having no emotion, right? Like I'm, I'm smiling right now, right? I mean, no emotion. Like if you can get through that, like that was suffering and pain like none of us have ever known and will ever experience. He knew about that. He knew what it was like to be abandoned by friends, I mean, his best friend denied him three times, like denied that he even knew that he existed. Like, Jesus, who's Jesus? I, I don't know. I never met the guy, right? I mean, that's painful. I mean, if I know some of you and I saw you in the grocery store, right, and I'm like, hey, Steve, how are you doing? And Steve's like, I don't know you. I mean, that's, that's painful to be rejected, right? Or that girl, right? I mean, hey, you know, and she's like, you know, that's painful as a teenage boy to be rejected by a girl. But Jesus knew about rejection. He knew about suffering. He had been bullied. He had been beaten and he had been humiliated. He understands. And yet he endured it on the cross with all dignity and took it like a man. (laughs) We get to be like him. It has a purpose. It has a purpose. So the question I want to ask you this morning is, you ever been in a situation like that? good or bad, or where you've had to struggle and find meaning in all of the stuff that you're going through. Struggle to find out where God is working. Like, have you ever made a mistake? Have you ever had something done to you? Have you ever been involved in like a less than desirable situation? Have you ever had something in your past and in your background that you just wish you could erase or things that you, that that have done that have maybe defined you that you wish you could change? You, You ever been there? You understand what I'm saying this morning? Maybe it's not you, maybe it's somebody you know, maybe it's a boy in your neighborhood or a kid in your community, maybe, it's a, maybe, maybe you bring a boy here with you or a, a young girl here with you that their family don't go to church, and, but you just know that they're going through a hard time and, and all this less than desirable stuff, they've got a bad reputation, all of that stuff. Do you know somebody like that? Can you picture their face? What does God have to say to them? Here's what He has to say to them. I get it. I get it. I understand, and there's a purpose for it all. Come back around to that story that I shared with you this morning because I know a boy like that. I shared a story with a boy like, you, like that with you. Do you know what God said to that boy? Someone shared this verse with him when he was a young kid, young man, and they told him about Romans 8, 28 through 29. You know, the unlovable, unwanted All that stuff, they told him about this verse, and they shared it with him. And at the age of 23, at the age of 23, that young boy, young man, became a young man, surrendered his life to Christ. He, angry at Jesus, angry at the church, and someone told him about this, told him the good news of Jesus Christ, and he surrendered his life to Jesus. That's good, right? Amen. At the age of 26, he surrendered his life again to Christ and he became a pastor became a teacher a proclaimer of the good news and that young boy stands before you now telling you what someone once told me cuz I was that young boy that story that i share with you that's my story and what i've come to learn and what i've come to learn about what this text says is that that for my story god can be glorified Through my story, Jesus can take all of my pain, he can take all of my suffering, he can take all of my hurts, all of my fears, all of my doubts, all of my insecurities and give it purpose. Jesus can do and take things that were not great and write an amazing story. And because of that, I get to mentor other young men. I get to mentor at risk students. And I get to hang out with kids who are on the streets and kids that are far from Jesus. And I get to tell them about how much Jesus loves them and that there's a purpose for all of this. My family, we get to serve as foster parents in the foster care system. We have a children. We, I didn't share this in the first service, and I wish I would have. Like, we were unable to have kids. And because of us getting involved in foster care, we now have a son who's upstairs terrorizing your kidsmen, right? <laughs> So, your youth leaders might not think that's a positive thing, but my son, Ian, and you know, we almost, I mean, man, I'm going to go over here, but um, the, we were going to, we, we had to wrestle with changing his name. His name's Ian, and it was Ian when he came to live with us at two months old, and we had to wrestle with changing his name, and uh, we started doing research. Do you, and we didn't, we didn't change his name. His name is still Ian, and you know why we didn't change his name? Do you know what Ian means? Because I'm a nerd, I get a little nerdy, so I start researching things, like. Right? My name's Scott. Do you know what Scott means? From Scotland. How? That's not a good story. But Ian, do you know? Do you know what Ian means? God's gift. Yeah, yeah. Gift given. He worked all things for good. We get to mentor. We get to be involved in foster care. And I got to see, I got to see because of my own pain and what Jesus did in my life, I got to see many of my family come to faith in Jesus Christ. I got to watch my grandfather kneel before Jesus and give his life to him before he died of lung cancer works all things for good. What does God have to say to our hurting hearts or communities and neighbors and all our culture and all that stuff is I've got a promise. It's not for nothing. I promise that it has a purpose. I promise that it'll all work out in the end. I promise that there's a plan in all of this stuff, that I will, I will start a work in you and I will complete it and it's not just for you. It'll be for the world. I will change the world and I will change the world and my plan is you. My plan, His plan is me. His plan is us. He will change our culture. He will change our communities, but His solution is us. See, my pain and all my suffering became my motivation for ministry, and the same is true for you. Your greatest pain, hear this, your your greatest pain, your greatest suffering, your greatest hurt may become, here's the reason that God does it all, may become your greatest opportunity for ministry. Say it again. Look at this. Look at the words on the screen. Pay attention. Your greatest pain, all of that hurt and your suffering, may be the greatest opportunity for ministry. You've been abused. Guess what? Maybe he's going to send you to other abused people. You've been bullied. Guess what? Maybe he's sending you to a, a bullied students. Right? Maybe maybe you've been abandoned. Maybe you need to get it. Maybe he's sending you to to um, to big brother, big sister. Maybe you need to be involved in foster care. Right? Maybe maybe you suffered with anorexia and bulimia. Right? And maybe he's sending you to other girls and other people with anorexia and bulimia, like he did this one girl who who. She, she struggled with it. Like she was sick and ended up in the hospital and Jesus changed her life, sent her mom and her mom ended up reaching out to all of her friends that struggle with anorexia and bulimia and they started a church A church filled with girls who would never step foot in a place like this because of their self-identity issues started a church for girls with anorexia and bulimia. Her greatest pain became her greatest opportunity for ministry. That's true for us. Whatever you're going through, whatever you struggle with, your greatest pain may be your greatest opportunity for ministry. See, it's been said, it's been said, and I'm not arguing with this, that the greatest words that we could ever want to hear is, I love you but I want to give you a couple of different words that I think the world so desperately needs to hear, and that is me too. The greatest words that people need in the English language that people need to hear is me too, right? You've struggled, guess what? Me too. You're hurting, guess what? Me too. Your dad abandoned you, guess what? Me too. You were bullied in school, me too. Me too, greatest, most powerful words in the English language, saying, I've been there, I've done that, I understand, I've walked in your shoes, I get it. You think no one else can understand? Guess what? I understand. Guess what else? I know somebody else that understands, Jesus, and He's made you a promise. And the enemy tells us, the enemy wants us to believe that we suffer for nothing, right? He, he, John 10, 10, says he's He comes to seek to kill, steal, and destroy, but Jesus says, I come to give you life, life abundantly. And so we, the world is just wait, sitting around waiting for, for someone to come in and, and to save it. We're sitting here week in and week out, at least in my church, you're, you're different, you're probably better than I am, um, but waiting for the world to change, waiting for something to change, waiting for someone to bring hope and love and joy. But you, you are God's plan. He wants to use you. Look at me. He wants to use you. If you're 80 years old, he wants to use you. If you're 8 years old, he wants to use you. If you're somewhere in the middle, I'm not quite where Steve's at. I'm not 50, but I'm about to hit 40. He wants to use me. I don't have as much energy as I used to, but he wants to use me. You know, John Mayer wrote the song, Waiting on the World to Change, but stop waiting on the world to change. Stop waiting for somebody else to do this. Be the change you want to see. Be the change that you want to see. Listen, Jesus, Jesus just does some crazy stuff. He has a way of taking all of this junk, all of this pain, all of this stuff in our life and creating this beautiful masterpiece. Right? Ephesians 2 uh, 10 actually says, For we are God's masterpiece. Some translations render it handiwork, right? I'm not very handy, but as I understand the story, like this altar down here was somebody's handiwork, and it's beautiful. It started off as a couple of pieces of wood. The podium that's hiding back there just started off as some, some wood, and it became something that's beautiful. Like this building was just a building, and Jesus has made it something beautiful, our handiwork. It's your life. It's our life together. It's the world, and it comes through pain, and it comes through suffering, but we need a different perspective. We need a different perspective. So with that, uh, we need to change the way we view things. So what I want you to do, there's going to be a short video. It's about 44 seconds long, um, but it's about the different perspective that you can begin to see things differently. Jesus wants to give us a different perspective on our lives, different perspective on our pain, our suffering. And if we could just cast our eyes upon him, the author and perfecter of our faith, it would change the world. You join me in praying. Jesus, thank you for meeting us here today. Lord, help us to look at our situations. Help us to look at our stuff, our junk, uh, even our good things, the things that are going right in our life differently. Help us to look and see that all of these things that seem disconnected and that seem unrelated, all of these things that seem like they have no purpose, that they really do, that you are in the process of making our lives into this beautiful handiwork, this beautiful masterpiece. What seems like it's nothing is really something. And that hope is not just for us, it's for the world. And that what you have done for us and are doing in us, you want us to do for others.